0: Hey, thanks for joining us here at the Vineyard Church Podcast. For more video messages and content, make sure to visit our website, vineyardwheeling.com, or download our app. There's a lot of great resources there that are free and will help you grow closer to God and help you connect with the church. Right now, let's go to today's guest speaker, Chris Do, for this week's message. What is up, Vineyard Church? I'm so excited to be here with you guys again. Um, Let's pray as we jump in uh, here to the message. King Jesus, we love you. This is your word. These are your people. This is your Holy Spirit. And God, we pray that you would work through the the words I'm about to speak, um, and even greater than those words, God, and you would change our hearts, uh, that you would help us uh, to have real encounters with you in our houses, in our cars, uh, in our living rooms, and in uh, the church as well, God. I pray that you'd be glorified, and I pray that you would help us uh, uh, to, to find and follow you, King Jesus. We pray this in your name, amen. How many people have kids out there. Does anybody have kids? I love kids, man. Uh, you know, I just had a little girl. Her name's Evelyn. We love her so much. And I think at this time, she's about five months old. Um, and man, we're having so fun. And she's sleeping through the night now. She's sleeping 12 hours through the night and has been for the past week. So we are praising Jesus uh, that that's happening. Man, it's, it's it changes the game as they start sleeping. Uh, but I love kids. But one thing that I don't like about kids, if I can be honest, is as they grow up, how many questions they ask, right? Like everything is why. It's like, hey, it's time to go to bed. Why? It's like, because I, I said so, and I'm your daddy, right? Or, or, or hey, um, eat your uh, you know, meal, eat your lunch. Why? It's like, man, if you ask me one more question, right? And that happens as they get older, they just ask all these questions, man. But just as a swim coach, this was uh, about eight years ago, that was a swim coach and hanging out with kids, they would ask a hundred zillion questions a day. It's like, hey, it's time to jump in the water. Why? Because we're at swim practice and that's what we do, right? Um, And it would kind of start out as, oh, like, they're asking questions, I'll answer their questions, this is no problem. But then it would increase and I would get frustrated. Right, it would go from I'm I'm cool, calm and collected into I'm, I'm kind of frustrated now because you've asked me 100 questions and then it would turn into like rage level. Has anybody ever gotten there of just like, this kid is asking me 300 questions and I am now at the point of rage. If you ask me one more, I'm gonna put you out of this car right now. Has anybody ever gotten there? Probably not, because y'all are way more spiritual than me, but I've gotten there. The questions that are swirling around have caused me to go from cool, calm, and collected into frustration and then into rage. And I feel like in our culture right now, with all the questions swirling around on massive topics like Jesus and church and race and politics and all of these massive questions swirling. And over the past 18 months or a little bit more than that, what's happened is that we have gone from cool, calm and collected into I'm kind of frustrated about all these conversations and and all these things and now I feel like we're at rage mode (laughs) where Everyone has a strong opinion. Everyone's angry at everyone else. And it's just this raging type of situation right now, all because of the questions swirling around in our world. That we have lost the ability to have a conversation without arguing and screaming. And oftentimes is that if you don't agree with me, I view that as hate, and if I'm honest with you, can I get honest at church? Is that uh, the biggest thing I've wrestled with over the past 18 months or two years is how do I interact and respond with culture? I I recently read an article, uh, it's by a guy named Gregory Thompson, and he offers up four ways of how to interact with secular culture. Three of them are incorrect, he would say. One is uh, the pathway that we're going to try to walk in. The the first one is purity from culture. I mean, this is really where we view culture as evil, and therefore our main objective as Christians is hiding from culture. It's like, okay, it's evil, therefore we need purity from culture the culture. Uh, The next uh, just kind of way that he explains is uh, it's called accommodation two. And it's really that we are in the world. It's not that we're hiding. It's that we're in the world, in culture, yet we also begin uh, to become like culture, like the world in so many ways, right? So we're not going to hide from the world. We are in it. We're hanging out with lost people, hanging out with... uh, the world at large, yet we never speak up on anything, and we accommodate to secular culture. The third pathway is called a defense against, and it's where uh, that we view culture as evil, our way is right, and therefore that we try to triumph over people who do not agree with us. And uh, the people that were called uh, to love, we view as the enemy. And then finally, lastly, is what he calls faithful presence. And it's where we don't hide from culture, but rather we follow Jesus into every sphere of culture. Yet, we are in the world, yet we are not of the world. We have our in integrity of character and proclamation still, and yet we do not try to triumph over our neighbors, yet we work for their flourishing in redemptive love. He says this, that the vision of the church's calling is a movement into the fullness of culture, speaking the fullness of the gospel and acting the fullness of the gospel, and yet we are doing so for the purpose of redeeming love. All these massive questions are swirling in our world right now. And if I'm honest, over the past year and a half, I've wanted uh, to operate in purity from, or accommodation to, or defense against, right? I wanna just hide, I'm gonna go and have a plot of land, and I'm never gonna go out in the world, or that I'm just gonna be in the world, I'm gonna act like it, or that I'm gonna try to triumph over this world, right? I wanna operate in my values um, and overthrow the government, let's do all these things, yet, The pathway of Jesus is faithful presence. I'm in the world, yet I'm not of the world and I'm operating in the love of King Jesus. And here's our main point that I'm gonna try to rally around from our text here uh, is this, that in order to be a faithful witness in our world today, we must master the art of asking and answering questions like Jesus. In order uh, to operate in faithful presence in our crazy world today, we must master the art of asking and answering questions like Jesus. Man, because if you look at Jesus's life all through the gospels, we see that he was asked zillions of And some of those questions were pretty stupid questions, like we're going to see in our text here uh, in uh, the book of Mark, chapter 12, right? He was asked questions that, like, actually a few of them were reasonable. It's like, okay, this person actually wants uh, to learn, yet some of them are downright stupid. And in his humanity, he may have gotten frustrated, yet he operated in faithful presence. So how did Jesus do this? How did Jesus uh, respond to all these swirling questions that he faced? Uh, Because obviously, like we're not Jesus. And part of the point of the passage that we're gonna look at is that his wisdom is entering into the world in such a way that it triumphs over human manipulation, yet, I still think we can learn from his responses. So how did Jesus respond? I've got three points for us this morning. Point number one is this, that he answered questions with reason and sound logic. Jesus answered questions with reason and with sound logic. If you have a Bible, uh, flip over uh, to Mark chapter 12, and I'm going to start reading in verse 13. It says this, and the elders and chief priests sent to him some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians uh, to trap him in his talk. And they came and they said to him, teacher, we know that you are true and you do not care about anyone's opinion and you are not swayed. By appearances, yet you truly teach the way of God. Is it lawful to pay taxes uh, to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? Yet he knew their hypocrisy and he said to them, Why do you put me to the test? You bring me a denarius and let me look at it. And they brought one and he said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this. And they said to him, Caesars. And Jesus said to them, well, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. Jesus is standing there and up come the Pharisees who were the religious separatists And the Herodians, who were Hellenistic Jews, who uh, were kind of conforming to culture, right? So here in this passage, we have uh, separation from and accommodation to, who are coming to Jesus. Because of the chief priests and the scribes and the elders had sent them in order to trap him in their questions, right? So they come and they honor him first, right? They're like, you are the great teacher. We love you. You're amazing, Jesus. You are not swayed by appearances. And then they ask him the question, man, you think we should pay taxes or not? Because they knew that if he answered, no, we shouldn't pay taxes, then they had something on him, right? So they come to him and ask him these questions. And I love how Jesus answers them, right? Because he answers their question with another question, which is oftentimes how Jesus operated. He said, who's got a coin? Hand me one of those. And they hand him a coin and he looks at it for a minute and he holds it up and he says, whose inscription is on this coin? And they said, well, well, well it's Caesar's inscription, And he answers them with reason and sound logic. Well, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and render to God the things that are his. He knew their hypocrisy, yet he did not scream at them and say, Y'all are trying to trap me, you demons. No, no, no. He answered with reason and sound logic. And in our culture right now that's getting more and more secular as we speak, we need to dive really deep into the reasonableness of our faith. Culture is all about feelings rather than sound logic, yet we can respond with reason and sound logic. Here's what uh, 1 Peter says instructing us. It says this, But in your hearts, it isn't just with your lips, in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and respect." I think that's something we can lean into. A few things out of that text is one, we need to have a reason for the hope that's within us. Christianity is not just blind faith. It is a reasonable worldview. It's a reasonable faith. It makes sense. Yet how we answer questions in our world or questions that are asked of us, we should always answer, always respond with gentleness, and respect. And then in Philippians, it says this, to let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. And I think one of the reasons why that uh, that people are um, irrational right now is because of fear. Yet scripture says, perfect love casts out all fear. So, We need to experience his love in order to have peace, which then will lead to reasonableness. And I love how Jesus answers their question. He holds up the coin and he says, whose inscription is on this? And they all knew, well, Caesar's on that coin. he said, well, you should pay taxes to Caesar, yet render to God all that is his, which means everything because His inscription, His likeness, is on you and I, made in the image of God, and it's on everything this world has to offer. And therefore, we should render to God everything, because all of it is His. And in light of this, we need to, all of us, need to be more worried about who we obey rather than who we offend. So, what if rather than getting mad at questions or comments, we paused and responded reasonable with thoughtfulness and sound logic? As questions are swirling and people are getting mad over here and on Twitter over here and all these uh, loud, arrogant opinions are swirling, let's pause and we can respond reasonably with Thoughtfulness and sound logic. How did Jesus answer questions? Well, point number one is that he answered questions with reason and sound logic. And point number two is this he answered questions with scripture. Jesus answered questions with scripture. Let's look at verse 18 through uh, 27 says this, and the Sadducees came to him who say there is no resurrection. And they asked him a question saying, "'Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother passes away and leaves a wife, yet he leaves no child, then that man must take the widow and raise up offspring for his brother.'" And in this case, there were seven brothers. The first took a wife And when he died, he left no offspring. And then the second took her and died and leaving no offspring. And the third likewise, on and on and on. And then the seven left no offspring. Last of all, uh, the woman also died. And here's their question. In the resurrection, when they rise again, whose wife will she be? For all seven had her as wife. And Jesus said to them, is this not the reason you are wrong, Sadducees? Because you neither know the scriptures nor the power of God. For when we rise from the dead, we will neither marry nor are given in marriage, yet are like angels in heaven. And as for the, uh, the dead being raised, have you not read? in the book of Moses, in the passage about the bush, how the Lord spoke to them, saying, I am the God of Abraham and Isaac and of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, yet of the living. You are quite wrong. Boy, Jesus done got him on that one, didn't he? He's standing there again. He's had this one interaction with the Pharisees and the Herodians, and now the Sadducees come up to him. I mean, these are the educated elites who really didn't believe in angels or the resurrection. And they asked him a stupid hypothetical question. Have you ever been asked a hypothetical question that's like, that doesn't even make sense, right? It's like, hey, hey pastor, you think that God uh, would ever build a rock who he couldn't pick up? You think it's possible for God to build a rock like that? It's like, man, yeah, I, will, I, will, I would respond with rage in that situation, I feel like. It's like, that doesn't even make sense. Yet Jesus responds with scripture. He clarifies the answer to their question. He says, there is a resurrection and this is what it's going to be like. And he clarifies it for them. Yet he refers to scripture for his answer. And I think one of the issues with our current cultural moment is that everyone is viewed as an expert and we don't check our sources anymore. I think a lot of our problems could be solved if we actually checked our sources on them, right? So for instance, on Facebook or Twitter or t- TikTok, we can read a post from some random eight-year-old kid in Illinois and view that as truth, right? You can say, well, I, I heard this. It's like, well, well, who did you hear that from? Well, well, it was an eight-year-old on TikTok who had a cool video with these things and he said it was it was true. We need to get better at checking our sources, Christians. Man, we need to actually seek out truth. And here's the thing, ultimate truth is found in the scriptures. Ultimate truth is found in the word of God. This is true truth. This is true truth. Here's what it explains in Hebrews chapter four. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit and of joints and of the marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And then again, it says this all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, a reproof, and corrections and training in righteousness in order that we may be competent, equipped for every good work. What we view is how we view the world. What we look at and hear and take in on an ongoing basis shapes. Our worldview. I love this scripture in Romans 12:2. It says, Man, you do not be conformed to the ways of the world, yet be transformed through the renewing of your mind, through the renewing of your mind, which happens through reading the scripture. We need to get our worldview from the Bible, not the news outlets. I mean, we need to view uh, everything that's happening out there in the world or on the news through the lens of scripture, not flipping that upside down and trying to read the scripture through what we heard from our favorite news anchor. So what if rather than taking anything as truth and spewing false information out there. What if we went to the Bible for our answers and offered true, truth type of answers to this world? Jesus answered with reason and sound logic, and he responded with scripture. And here's our last point, point number three. He was both kind and firm in his responses. He was kind and firm in his responses. I mean, one of my favorite things in the world is uh, that I speak at a treatment center uh, just every other week. And uh, that I go to this uh, just kind of treatment center and I do a half hour lesson or something on, on uh, you know, just a topic and that, the end of uh, you know, the teaching, I always have a QA and a period after that. And, and I, I love those times, right? Because the questions that these guys are asking are genuine, heartfelt questions. Um, and I'll spend hours and hours explaining things to them if they want it, right? Because I know that the heart posture of them is, is uh, very genuine. But then there's also people that come up to me after a message sometime. I literally had this happen uh, this past weekend, who asked me a question, yet I can know that they have an angle. (laughs) It's like, you're coming up to me asking like exactly what I meant by this word or this phrase, and really what you're saying is, I've got an angle, I wanna prove you wrong type thing, right? So I love answering questions of genuine people who who have genuine questions, but I don't like answering questions of people who have an angle. And all through the New Testament, we see Jesus answered questions from each type of people as well. There was people who came to Jesus who were genuine in their questions. They were like, hey, listen, uh, how can I be saved? How can I be born again? right? All all these genuine questions. But then there's also people that come to Jesus, as we see in these two passages, who have an angle. And he answered each one totally differently, yet he always answered with truth and love. He was kind and he was firm. Here's what it says in the scripture. It says, to let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, in order that you may know how you ought to answer each person. In all of our answers, in all of our conversations with anyone, this is a word for us. mean, let our speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, in order that we may know how we ought to answer each person. I mean, there's times that we're going to be called to answer, and then there's other times where we're going to be called to uh, remain quiet. Maybe like on Facebook or all social media outlets for that matter. And honestly, we need the Holy Spirit uh, to help us uh, to know when to answer and how to answer. And I love this scripture in Proverbs uh, because it It highlights each of those opportunities there. It says this, Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. Yet also, answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. There's times we answer. There's times we don't. The Holy Spirit will lead us into that. Let your speech Always be gracious, though, seasoned with salt, in order that you may know how you ought to answer each person. And honestly, I think, Vineyard, the main application out of this whole message is that we should learn how to think through things like Jesus did. All these swirling questions, and if I'm honest, there's times... I don't really know the answer and I'm a pastor, right? There's times there's lots of gray in these types of big topics, right? So before we go out and try to prove anyone wrong or we answer with you know reason and sound logic and we think we have the answer, I think a great action step is in everything that comes up in culture, in our you know, personal lives out there, that we should try to think through everything like Jesus did with scripture and with sound reason and logic. And then once we have a humble grasp on something, answer like Jesus did with kindness and firmness. So what if what if rather than shrinking back in silence or screaming loudly in arrogance, We were both kind and firm in our answers. Questions are swirling around about massive topics like faith, Jesus, church, race, politics, on and on we could go. And rather than Separating from, accommodating to, screaming and defending against, we want to operate in faithful presence. Yet how we do that is we must master the art of asking and answering questions like Jesus. Jesus answered questions with reason and sound logic. He answered questions with scripture and he was kind and firm in his response. I want to close with the uh, the scripture here in verse 17, the words of Jesus. He says, "This will render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and render to God the things that are His." The application of this whole message here today is this, that you are made in the image of God, Vineyard. His inscription, his likeness is on you and I. And therefore, yes, we're a good citizen. We pay our taxes, we do all that. But the main thing is that we are gods, and therefore we want to render to God the things that are gods, which is our very heart our very lives and everything in this world. I mean, maybe that you're listening to this and you're like, hey, it's awesome to hear about Jesus and who He was and all that, but I've got more questions about Jesus than I do answers. I don't have a relationship with Jesus yet. Well, I'm I'm so glad you're listening to this right now because Jesus was a real person. He lived a perfect life in our place. And then he was crucified on a criminal's cross. He rose from the, uh, the tomb he was in, conquering sin and death and Satan and shame. And then he ascended into heaven 40 days later. He left his Holy Spirit, but he's coming back one day. And what he did, is He made a way that you can be reconciled to the God of the universe. He paid for our sin. He triumphed over everything that gets in the way of that. And therefore, through turning from our sin and placing our faith in Jesus, you can be made right with the God of the universe. Jesus is King. And therefore, we are called to submit ourselves to his rule and reign on earth, which causes human flourishing and render to God the things that are his. I love you, Vineyard. Thanks again for joining us here at the Vineyard. It's our greatest desire to see you find and follow God. And we hope that this podcast has helped you do just that. For more video messages and content, make sure to visit our website, vineyardwheeling.com or download our app. Again, thanks for joining us this week. We'll see you next time.